Debbie Weatherspoon, pastor here at Epworth United Methodist Church. On February 11th, we celebrated sharing love, how we express our love beyond our doors in different ways that we engage in the community, as well as the ways that we volunteer and serve in our own congregation. We anticipated Valentine's Day celebrations coming up this week, and as well as it being Lent, the beginning of Lent, a season of reflection and contemplation and digging in deep seeking the spirit's guidance on how we are to share love with one another may you be blessed by this service me.
start too low? Oh, well. <laughs> if ye love not each other. Now, during this part, let's engage with each other. I would cross your hands like the love, turn to each other and bow as you're singing, okay? See each other in the eyes. If ye love not each other in daily communion, how can ye love God whom ye have not seen again. If ye love not each other in daily communion, how can ye love God whom ye have not seen? More love, more love, the heavens are blessing, the angels are calling. Zion, more love, more love, more love, the heavens are blessing, the angels are calling, oh Zion, more love, if ye love not each other in day, how can ye love God? scripture reading from Mark uh, is a passage that follows several passages where Jesus is being asked, who are you? Who are you really? And so Mark 9. Let me see where you go. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let's make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, only Jesus. 
As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Here ends the reading. I'm grateful for everyone for your leadership and worship this Sunday. And uh, just a, a fun fact, that song that the choir sang for the offertory, that was a recessional song for our wedding. Aww. Yeah, I know. 20, it, this May 31st will be 26 years. And 26 years ago, we, uh, thank you, uh, we uh, were married on what was that day, was Pentecost Sunday. You know, it's not always the same day, but it was Pentecost Sunday. So we celebrate our anniversary on May 31st and on Pentecost. And it, it is, come walk with us, the journey is long, which is, you know, a good metaphor, isn't it, for marriage? And, and also, because it was Pentecost, where we were married, we were married at the K Spiritual Life Center on the campus at, at the American University in Washington, D.C. And we, uh, Dale and I met at seminary next door at Wesley Theological Seminary. But the place, uh, the chapel there was booked that Sunday. But we had a reception in the refectory there. So we had a Pentecost parade. And so everybody come walk with us, the journey is long, and all the dancing and everything. I was just reliving that whole moment just this morning and um, just dressed down a little bit from how I was that day. But everybody had streamers and bubbles and things, and so we were celebrating and kept the parade going um, over to American University. So thank you for helping me to relive that, that memory. Uh, weddings is, um, are on my mind since last Sunday. I was officiating the um, much anticipated in their world, the 2424 at 4 wedding, February 4th, 24 at 4 p.m. wedding on, uh, of uh, Adam and Amanda at Palm Coast, Florida. Amanda's mother, Georgiana, and I have been friends since I was a senior in high school. I was the new kid at our Florida high school, and she was a junior. I moved in that year to live with my grandmother just down the street from Georgiana, and she reached out to welcome me, and pretty much we've been friends ever since. And so it was really an honor to be asked to officiate her daughter's wedding since I've known her before she, she knew who she was, <laughs> and uh, just uh, Georgiana's first daughter. Um, speaking of Florida and high school, I'd like to just uh, switch now a little to a somber note. Um, because this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday and St. Valentine's Day, and it also marks the sixth anniversary of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School massacre in Parkland um, in South Florida. And since 2019, that area community has held a 17-day annual celebration that was um, created then in 2019 to, to start every year on January 28th. And it allows the families to celebrate the lives of those lost for 17 days leading up to the MSD shooting anniversary. This Wednesday, I do invite you to take a moment to remember to honor the lives of 14 students and three staff members whose lives were lost on February 14, 2018. Also remember the 17 people injured physically, not to mention all those impacted by this trauma. In fact, let's take a moment now just to pause and think about all those impacted by gun violence.
Amen. We take a moment to remember those impacted by violence, but we do it so as people who are people of love. We believe in love over hate and love over violence. We believe in faith over fear and peace over war. I know we are deep thinkers. We are deep feelers. We are deep believers. Maybe not all the time, but for the most part, that's who we want to be. We are seekers on the way and of the way. During a presentation that I watched about theology and the violence between Israel and Palestine, an audience member who identified as a British Jewish person spoke about Jesus, spoke about what love does. And I want to quote her here. She said, so what does love do here? Love does not take land that doesn't belong to it. Love does not justify murder. There's no justification for murder. There's no justification for the killing of children. How many people have got to die before you start listening to what the truth is here? And the truth is that a genocide, that this is a genocide not about Hamas. This has never been about Hamas. This has been about you getting what you wanted and using any lie you wanted, including scripture, to get it. And it's calling the lie out for what it is by putting Christ where the lie is. Wow, I had never heard anything articulated like that, putting Christ where the lie is. And asking that question, what does love do here? Amanda and Adam chose the love scripture for their wedding and wanted me to read it as part of my message. And as I was preparing my words, I felt compelled to just make it clear that this comes from the Bible, because it seemed like for many people around them that this was just something that Hallmark made up, that, they, that you buy on a card, that maybe it's on Pinterest or something. And in fact, my gut feeling was accurate because we had a bridal brunch the day before the wedding and they had um, a decor item that had love is patient, love is kind from the scripture, but of course nowhere did it indicate that it was from scripture. Now, if you aren't really familiar with the, the words, I just want to make sure that you know that it does come from the New Testament, from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And a favorite exercise of mine that I think I learned in youth group, maybe some of you have done this before, is when you put your name in where it says love. Has anybody ever done that? No, it's, real, it's a good exercise. So maybe, you know, later today, I don't know. I don't think you're doing anything this afternoon. You might want to open up your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and look at that where it says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy does not boast, it does not, is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And then the exercise is to say your name. Debbie is patient. Debbie is kind. Or, you know, other names. Don't use my name, use yours. <laughs> What does love do 
in this moment is a great discernment question. For what do I do? In our scripture story today, the disciples are sure that love compels them to stay in this holy moment that they're experiencing with Jesus. Let's stay here. Let's stay here on this mountaintop. I don't want to go. <laughs> That's kind of how I think I would feel. I want to be in this moment, in this experience. Let's stay here. However, they must go. And they're told to go without speaking about what happened, yet sharing the impact of it all by how they live. How they live going forward is what matters, and it is what matters for us. Sharing love, well, we, we know there are all kinds of love, and that's a whole other sermon and Bible study. It can be a wedding. It can be taking time to write a card to someone, like you'll be invited to do the ministry fair if you go to the nurture table. It can be sharing our time, like Melanie as usher and Stephen minister and lay leader. It can be just that regular showing upness, that, that whole spirit of put me in, coach. I'm here to serve. Love is shared in moments and experiences and expressions and in simply being. Love happens. Daniel Schultz's commentary in the Christian century on the transfiguration expresses that Jesus' appearance with Moses and Elijah is like dropping the true and authentic Jesus in our laps and making us deal with it. Like the post-resurrection story, it anticipates the transfiguration is a reality that can be seen and felt and touched and tasted, even if only for a moment. Despite its cinematic potential, he writes, what Peter and James and John see that day is not a reality that can be neatly packaged for resale. It will never go viral. Instead, it invites readers into an unmediated relationship. That's because the question is, and as Pat indicated going into the scripture, the question to Jesus, who is Jesus? Who are you? But that question cannot be answered without asking the question, who is Jesus to me? Which in turn requires the question, who am I? Paradoxically, the revelation of Jesus and his sovereign glory forces us to decide not who we want to seem to be, but who we actually are. So, we enter a new season this week, the season of Lent. The days are lengthened. The invitation is to go deeper, asking these kind of questions, seeking, longing, and preparing. And it all begins with love. As we open the door, as we are open to love, Love is who we are, or at least we want it to be that way. So may it be so, by the grace of the one in whose image of love we are created. Amen. 